your Bible, if you would, please. I suppose we're on the lesson seven now, uh, page number 137. Uh, I'm turning to Ephesians. Oh, before we do this, does anybody, can you stand very quickly and give us memory verse from last week? Anybody can do that? Can anybody do that? Uh-oh. I was going to say no staff, right? But, Miss Rogers, can you do it? You stand. All right, say, come on. You know what? Now, this will encourage you. Come. I've got a, I have a Baskins card for you, all right? Now, if you do that next week, we'll give you a memory verse, all right? And just, I think this, each week, if we take a memory verse and just learn it, uh, it'll be, and last week our study was on the Word of God, the Bible, and certainly as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the Word, so we ought to desire the Word of God. Now, look at your Bible. Ephesians, I want to read a couple of verses, and we'll cover some uh, let's use the Bible tonight, Ephesians 5 and verse number 18. Ephesians 5, 18, And be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Can you tell if someone is drunk? You can tell, can't you? Uh, we used to do that. I'm not laughing, at, at oh, but I remember the truck stop when I worked when I was in Bible college. And some of these truckers that come to, I don't know how they drive drunk, but they'd come in and be there for days a lot of times and, and get drunk and do the stupidest things. And you'd watch it. And it's like, so we can tell that. Now look at verse number, look at verse number 19, uh, 18. Be not drunk with wine. Now watch this. But be filled with what? Can you tell if somebody's filled with the Spirit? It should be every bit as much. Now, understand this, okay? I want you to understand, doctrinally, we could not, I could not line up with Billy Graham doctrinally in a lot of areas. However, before we criticize him, is there anybody here that's led one thousandth of the souls to Christ that Billy Graham's led? Okay? I talked to a man this afternoon, and he said, boy, my preacher just lambasts Billy Graham all the time. Billy Graham had some associations that I wouldn't feel comfortable with, but there will be thousands of souls in heaven because of his preaching. Billy Graham went to a church one time, and he watched. He watched as this church disciplined one of their officers, and Billy Graham found out later on, he said, and they're kicking him out of church. And Billy Graham said to the pastor afterwards, he said, why are you kicking this man out of church? And he said, because he gets drunk repeatedly. So Billy Graham turned to Ephesians 5, 18, and he said this. Did you ever kick anybody out because they weren't filled with the Spirit? Both of them are commands. Be not drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. And so sometimes even we as pastors and churches don't apply it uh, as we... And I'm not saying that... An officer of the church, certainly he should be under a different standard. Now look in your notes, if you would, please, and the answers will be up there. I've, we cannot do this justice. But in our city, 
in our state and across the nation, if there's any doctrine in the Christian faith that is misconstrued more than any other or misapplied, it's a doctrine of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to say this now. Watch this. Look at your notes under the introduction. This is vitally important. At the moment of your salvation, God himself came to live with you, within you, in the person of the Holy Spirit. True or false? True. You and I, if we're saved, got all of the Holy Spirit we can get. We can't get more, but he can get more. We can yield more areas of our life to him. So don't fall for the idea that once you're saved that you can wait for the indoing of the, or you can wait for the, to be slain with the Holy Spirit. And when you're slain with the Holy Spirit, it might, it might look like holy laughter. It might mean you, you jump over pews. It might mean that you speak in an unknown tongue, an angelic tongue. Do you know none of the apostles nor the church leaders spoke or would recognize today what is called tongues. The tongues of today is not the Bible tongues. The word tongues in Corinthians and Acts is dialect or language. So be careful with this. We're not talking about the charismatic movement tonight. We're not talking about tongues necessarily. Uh, but think about this. We think of the Holy Spirit as being, He is the Holy Spirit. Now let me ask you this. What makes something holy? I'm going to list some things. Look at your Bible. Does yours like mine say holy Bible? Is there a holy land? Where is it? Israel is the holy land. What is the holy city? Jerusalem. All right? You think about this. What makes something holy? It belongs to God. Right? So let me say this to you. When you and I got saved then, and the person, the third person of the Trinity came to live inside of us, is the Holy Spirit. That means then, that's why God can say to us, Be ye holy, for I am holy. If you're saved, you belong to God. If you're saved, and oh, that's why the Apostle Paul said in Corinthians, uh, he, when he talked about coming out from among them, you're not your own, you're bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and your spirit, which are God's. Look in your notes here, Ephesians 1.13. In whom also ye trusted, after that ye heard the word of truth. Here are the steps of salvation. The gospel of your salvation, in whom after that you were believed, you were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. Now watch this. We baptized Brother Brad on Sunday. Brother, Do you know that everybody that gets saved gets saved the same way? Everybody does. Everybody does. Okay, watch this. Nobody gets saved without hearing the Word of God. Right? So then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. You must first hear. All right? And then you must believe once you hear. Many hear but don't believe. Everyone who gets saved hears. Everyone who gets saved believes. And everyone who, gets, uh, who hears and believes is saved and they're sealed. 
You cannot lose your salvation if you're ever truly saved. You're sealed by the Holy Spirit of God. He talks about the Holy Spirit is the earnest of our salvation, correct? All right, now look at this if you would please. But what does that mean for your life and mine on a daily basis? How does the Spirit of God work in your life and mine? How does it work itself out? The Holy Spirit ministers to our heart. Now look at these if you would please. Jesus, shortly before he was crucified, explained to his disciples he'd soon be leaving, but that the Holy Spirit would take his place in their lives. You can circle that word his because Pastor Chapel, when he wrote this, is exactly right. Look at that verse. Jesus speaking, if you turn to John 14 in your Bible and you have a red letter Bible, these, wor these words are going to be in red letter. And I, Jesus speaking, will pray the Father and he shall give you another. Is it capitalized? Any word capitalized in the middle of a sentence is speaking of deity. So we know that comforter is a member of the Trinity. The comforter that he may abide with you forever. I'm going to make this statement. The Holy Spirit is God. Too many Christians have watched too much Star Trek. Star Wars. He is not a force. The force be with you. It's not Christianity. He is a force. He is a dynamic force. But he's God, very God. Now look at what this looks like. Here's a blank to fill in. He is the divine comforter. Now look at John 14, 16. Think about, help me with a lesson tonight. Was Jesus a comfort to his disciples? Give me an example when he was. Brother Andrew? They're in the ship. This is what you're thinking of. Master, we perish. Right? What did he do? He calmed the ocean. That was a comfort, wasn't you? I wouldn't be a good ocean traveler when those waves are coming. I wouldn't be. Boy, he comforted him, didn't he? When he called, and, and I'm, we sometimes as pastors look at that and say, you're going to go through a storm in life and Christ will comfort you, and he will. Think about anybody, anything else you can think. Did Andrew take yours, Miss Kane? To rest. And you to think about it, and he always fed them, didn't he? I don't care if the thousands came, he fed them. That was a comfort. I want you to understand something. That word, another, in our English language, it says another. But in the Greek language, it's very powerful. Some people tell me, and it used to be even worse than it is now, that my wife and Karen could be twins. They don't look like twins, but they act just like each other. When you see them walk, you wonder, which one's Kathy, which one's Karen? The word another means another of the same kind. Jesus Christ's physical presence on earth could bring no more comfort to you and I than the Holy Spirit can. Another of the same kind. Christians deal with heartaches and trials as unbelievers do. Sometimes Christians even have additional troubles because they are Christians. 
I'm going to say something to you. I am the eternal optimist. However, Americans, Christians in America have a target on your back. Our country has turned against God and in doing so has turned against the children of God. Now look at this if you would. Here's another blank. He guides you to truth. He guides you to truth. Look in your Bible, John 14. Several of these verses are in the book of John, John chapter number 14. So in John 14, Christ had just announced to his disciples he was going to heaven. And you can understand the bewilderment on their faces and the sorrow. But then he tells them what's going to happen when he goes to heaven. Look at verse number 26. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. Let me say this to you. It'll happen sometimes when Pastor Rogers is teaching. I promise you this. I try to do my due diligence and study and plan and pray and prepare. But I may mention something that is not doctrinally correct. And you're listening to that, and something inside said, I don't understand that. I had a, a, a professor, a Bible professor taught me this one time. When we get saved, as we begin to follow the Lord, there is like, in our mind, a theological sieve. Ladies, you know what a sieve is. And it would, would, would filter out lumps in anything, right? Flour or whatever. And watch this. He said this. If you're listening to a teacher or preacher, and they, no matter how high regard they're held in, and they say something, and it gets stuck in your theological sieve, don't push it through. Years ago, when Kathy's mom and dad were alive, and we traveled to Southern California to be with them at Christmas. I was listening to a Christian radio station. I'm not going to mention this man's name. If I mentioned this man's name, everybody here would know him. One of the biggest named preachers in America, one of the most prolific authors in America. Listen to what he said. He said, I went down to the beach in Newport Beach, and there were some people there. My wife and I were just kind of enjoying ourselves. And, and lo and behold, we met a Christian, met another Christian, met another Christian. And some of those Christians got together and said, Brother so-and-so, why don't you serve the Lord's Supper on the beach? Here's what this, this pastor said. He is a very, very learned man. He said this, we didn't have any bread and any wine, but we had some Fritos and some Pepsi. Go through your sieve. Does that Pepsi mirror our Lord's blood? Do those Fritos mirror his broken body? This man is one of the most learned men in America. I about drove off the road. So what I'm saying to you, you may have your favorite teachers and preachers. None of us are infallible. Sometimes something is going to be said, even a well-meaning preacher or teacher. That is my job to be filled and led of the Spirit when I come up here. But understand this. Look at this. Without the Holy Spirit's guidance in our lives, we'd be left to navigate our way through life's daily decisions and concerns on our own. Will He lead you? And I'm going to say this to you. I'm just going to throw it out there. Some of you who are not dating 
or you are dating or you anticipate dating and you're good, you hope to marry one day. Can the Lord lead you to a mate? Absolutely can. Absolutely can. You may not find your mate's name in the Bible. Thou shalt marry Kathy. I never found that in the Bible. <laughs> but I grew up in a really bad home, bad marriage. I prayed every day. I heard a pastor come by one time, and he said, if you anticipate marriage, you should pray for your mate, who God wants you to marry, every day. And I took him at his word. I've told you before, I was dorming with her brother. I didn't know her, never spoke to her. He put her senior picture up, and the Lord said, that's her. I thought, wow. I like that. I called her because we we're going to do a surprise birthday party for her brother. I couldn't talk. I hung up the phone. Man, and then she tells me later on, she said, I, you know what I told my mom after I answered that phone? Man, that guy was a weirdo. <laughs> Can he lead you to a job? Can he lead you to a church? Look at this if you would. Part of his work in guiding us is to help us to understand the Bible. Look at page number 140. He strengthens you for service. He strengthens you. Go back now to Ephesians chapter 3. He strengthens you for service. I want you to remember Shane and Tavia tonight and Sunday morning, Sunday night. Brother Shane right now is teaching, as we're teaching in, in Kalispell, Montana. Just, he just came to mind. Ephesians chapter 3 and verse number 16 Look what it says, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by the spirit in the what? In the inner man. What is that talking about? Now, we're going to have another lesson in lesson number 10 that's going to expound upon this just a little bit. But I'm saying this to you. You should want more than a pastor who's got a degree, a sheepskin on the wall, you should want a pastor that is led and filled with the Holy Spirit. You should want deacons and a staff that is filled and led with the Holy Spirit of God. So he, he'll strengthen you for service. Number two, he empowers your witness. Brother Tom, it is, very well could be that the Lord is bringing those folks by so you can talk to them. He empowers you uh, for your witness. How many of you, when you witness, you want God to use it? I do. I don't want to waste somebody's time. And the Lord will do that. He'll empower you for that witness. One of the earliest desires of a new Christian is to share the goodness. I, I called Brother Paul yesterday to see how he's feeling. And he said, Preacher, I'm doing better. And he said, I don't know what that was. Man, I got a bug and I just couldn't come Sunday. Uh, but he said, hey, Preacher, would you pray for me? I'm going to witness to two men tomorrow. Would you pray for me? Is that a good prayer? That's a good prayer, isn't it? Lord, empower this man as he goes to witness and may they hear from you and not a man. The Holy Spirit uses your witness when we tell others about Jesus and convicts those with whom you talk for a need of it. Now, let me say this to you. This is all of us. Be very careful if God uses you in the matter of witnessing that you don't boast so much that you take the glory that only belongs to him. 
One of the reasons I stopped getting some of these Christian periodicals because I thought the men thought so much of themselves. I had this many saved, and this brother said, I had this many saved, and we all ought to rejoice in, in people getting saved. But sometimes we feel like it's a notch on a gun. Sometimes that should not be. We should all desire for the Holy Spirit to use us in our witness. Look at uh, being filled with the Holy Spirit makes a Christian life work. Now, think, here's a blank to fill in. Have you ever considered how impossible the Christian life is? Let me, can, I, can I tell you about this? Let's just take witnessing. How impossible is a Christian life? Let me, let me show you how impossible it is. Are we all supposed to witness? All of us, not just pastor and staff, all of us? We're on the same page? Okay. What is witnessing? What is it? Telling somebody else about Jesus, right? Okay. So you knock on Mr. Smith's door. Mr. Smith is an agnostic. You've been sent there to tell him about Jesus. Do you ever realize this? You're going to talk to a man whose heart is closed. He don't want to know about Jesus. You're going to tell him about a man you've never seen. Please tell me none of you have seen Jesus. <laughs> Please tell me that, all right? You're going to convince him that if that man who doesn't want you to talk to him about a man you've never seen, if he'll trust this man that you tell him that he's never seen, that he'll take you to a place you've never been. Are you with me? Is heaven real? Is the Christian life impossible? I told you before, and I hope I don't, I don't, some of you are hoping for a new pattern. I'm glad to have some new blood in our church because Brother Brad and Andrew and Sidney and Nathan and some of you others, Cassandra, some, some of you haven't heard pastor's jokes. Steve and Crystal and oh, God bless. Oh, it's good to see some good faces, new faces. I told you before where we went out soul winning at the Bible college where I was at. We had an older student that came with us. He fought in Vietnam. He was injured in a helicopter accident. You could see the marks of that injury on his head. And it affected him. His name was John Higgins. If you talk to Brother John, here's what he'd say. Say, Brother John, how are you doing? Good. He'd yell and put up his finger. Good. That's good, Brother John. I got to go soul winning with him one day. Oh, no. I kid you not. I am not, I'm not, I'm not making this up. We knocked on a mobile home door. A man came to the door. I asked Brother John as we we're going out, Brother Jim, I said, Brother John, do you feel comfortable sharing your faith? Yes. All right. This man knocked on the door. He said, hello. Brother John just stood there. And then he did the thing, and the man literally jumped. He said, hi. My name is John. And then John started to share his faith. I thought I was going to have to take over. I thought, man, what am I going to say? How am I going to jump in? And then I saw that man, big tears, 
started to come down his face. That man got saved that day. Amen. Not because a man was eloquent. Not because a man knew that he did know the scriptures, but because a man was led and filled with the Holy Spirit of God. Look at this, if you would, being filled with the Holy Spirit. Have you ever considered how impossible the Christian life is? Truthfully, trying harder to be better in our own strength is an exercise in futility. But the Holy Spirit empowers change in our lives from the inside out. Let's see how God designed this to work. Can I say this to you as pastor in the best way I know how to? It's not your job or my job to clean somebody up. I have well-meaning people sometimes tell me, Pastor, when are you going to go talk to that man about this? When are you going to go talk to that lady about this? Not my job. It's the Holy Spirit's job. Now, if they want to hold a position, if they want to sing a special music, then I'll say, Brother, Sister, there's some different standards there. Be careful with this. Here's a blank to fill in. Scriptures instruct us to be filled with the Spirit. I, each week I try to bring some, and I should have brought some this week. If you want to read, I like this, Brother Andrew, what you sent to me. Brother Andrew in Sydney, I spent some time with Andrew, and he was mentioning a good book that he uh, had read on leadership. And after I left, I thought, man, I wish I could read that book. And, and the honorary rascal got out and got it for me, and I've been reading it. Man, it was good. But Andrew, back to me, he said, leaders are readers. It's true, right? If you're going to read something on the Holy Spirit, let, I, now listen, he was not a Baptist, but he was fantastic on the Holy Spirit. Let me in, encourage an author, A.W. Tozer, on the Holy Spirit was just phenomenal. But look at this. I want to talk to you about this. Tozer, I remember reading one time, and he made a statement, Brother Bill, I'll never forget. He said it's impossible for someone not to know if they're filled with the Spirit. And he gave this example. He said, if you got zapped with 50,000 volts of electricity, watts, would you know? Well, I think I've been zapped. Huh? I get up and said, hey, were you zapped? Oh, I, I think I was. No, he said, oh, believe me, I was zapped. Is the Holy Spirit a greater energizer than 50,000 volts? So watch this. The fullness of the Holy Spirit is not to be confused with the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Does the Holy Spirit of God indwell you once you're saved? Amen. Yes. That does not mean you're full of the Holy Spirit. Let me give you. Brother Marvin faithfully puts pastor's water up here. This is a lot of us. To be filled with the Spirit, think about this. If I asked you to fill this glass, how much would you have to fill? Just this. You see, for the child of God, we can't be full until we're empty. The Holy Spirit, we've got so much of ourselves, and we ask the Holy Spirit to fill us, but He can't because we're full of ourselves. We're full of things that we now watch this. The indwelling of the Holy Spirit happens at salvation. But the fullness of the Holy Spirit 
And therefore, you think about this. I read about this sometimes. I read about how that the public address system came to Moody Church and how that there was nobody there, but the man came to install it. And he asked D.L. Moody, would you, say some ver- would you say something into the mic so I can tell whether or not I've got it set and hooked up right? D.L. Moody quoted one verse, quoted one verse. And a gardener heard it outside and was, was convicted enough, came down to the altar and asked how he could be saved. That's the fullness of the Holy Spirit of God. Now, what does it look like? Watch this. Would you leave this in a, put this in a marker on the side? The Holy Spirit wants to control our actions and our reactions. Anybody here been mistreated this week? Anybody? Anybody just wanted to act in the flesh? But now he desires to fill us up to control our actions. Here's what it looks like. Scripture, here's a blank to fill in. Scripture instructs us to walk in the Spirit. Now, this is the day-to-day. Somebody say it with me, Galatians. This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not what? Fulfill the lust of the flesh. Let's say it together. This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So tomorrow I have a choice to walk in the flesh or walk in the Spirit. He lives in me. He indwells me. But I may be so full of myself that he can't fill me. Now watch it. Look at this if you would. This is a matter of saying no to our fleshly impulses and saying yes to the Holy Spirit of God. Can you do that? You can do that, can't you? Let me, would you leave a marker down at the bottom? Let me give you something that helped me years ago. Every time I say yes to the flesh, I weaken my character. I'm going to say this again. Every time I say yes to the flesh, I weaken my character And every time I say no to the flesh, I strengthen my character. Let's put it another way. Every time I say yes to the flesh, I deny the Holy Spirit's ability to control and fill me. And every time I yield, say no to the flesh and yes to the Spirit, it becomes easier and easier to do so. Look at this, if you would, Scriptures, page 142. Have I missed any? Have I missed any? Okay, page 142. Scripture warns us not to sin against the Holy Spirit. Now, how can we do that? There's two primary words here. Christians can grieve and quench the work of the Holy Spirit in their life. Now, let's look at this. The next blank to fill in then is grieving. Matter of fact, turn to Ephesians 4. Let's do this together, would you please? Ephesians 4.30. Ephesians 4.30. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. How can I grieve the Holy Spirit? Grieving the Holy Spirit takes place when we willfully sin, even when He convicts our heart that what we're doing is wrong. 
So tomorrow, now watch this. This is wonderful. You know the difference in a lost person and a saved person? One of the many differences? Did the Apostle Paul say this after he got saved? He said of what he did when he took the church with letters bound, and some of them lost their lives, and they were imprisoned. Do you remember the scriptures that said this? But I did it what? Ignorantly. I did it ignorantly. A lost person is the only one that can say that. Do you know that a saved person is warned? Here's the difference in lost and saved. A saved person is warned before they go into sin. A lost person is, is condemned after they sin. Nobody is going to say this to you. Every Christian that sins, sins with their eyes wide open. Somebody said it this way. Behind every human tragedy is the slow, evil process of wicked thinking. So the Holy Spirit warns us, don't do that, don't go. Years ago, when we first came to town, and I didn't know what God was doing with us, and we were trying to keep a little church together, and the building was crumbling, and, and, and that kind of thing. And we didn't have a public address system and couldn't. That little auditorium was, let me see, 26 feet from the back door to the front. And we had one of our preacher boys from New Mexico came up, and, and it wasn't a preacher boy, but a, a dear friend uh, that was in ministry together for a while in New Mexico. He came up, and he'd come up and help us on the weekends. And he said, preacher, we need a snake. I said, what's a snake? He said, we got one here. It's underneath your feet right there. It's underneath your feet, underneath the floor. It's a cable that has... Uh, it has uh, female mic connections there. It comes all the way down here, and it goes through that door. And the opposite connections are over here. And I said, where do we get one? We need one for Sunday. He said, I don't know. Let's make some calls. We made some calls, and we found out downtown. And somebody help me. that I should know that the, there's, a, there's a theater downtown, Court, Main, Fourth, something like that. It's been there forever. And Brother Marvin, you know which one? The chief, chief. I don't know anything about the chief theater. I've never been in there in my life. We called that man. He said, I got a you snake. I'll sell it to you for your X amount of dollars. I said, we'll be right down. I can't tell you what happened there, but I didn't want to feel spooky. We walked into that place, and I felt like I had 100 pounds. There wasn't any bad music going on. There wasn't anything being served. There was some oppression there I have never felt in my life. And I thought, it's, surely it's only me. And this man kept stalling, kept stalling, and finally he got the snake, and we go to pay him. And this young man looked at me. He said, Pastor, let's get out of here and get out of here quick. I feel something I don't like to feel. The Holy Spirit was saying, I don't feel comfortable in here. Am I Am I right? I don't understand why the Holy Spirit can be taken in the lives of some Christians into an environment supposedly they feel comfortable with that. Look at this. If you look at this. So grieving, I know what is right. The Holy Spirit's convicted me, and I do it anyway. You've grieved the Holy Spirit. Now watch this. So quenching is something quite different 
The next blank to fill in is quenching the Holy Spirit takes place when we continually, so it happens again and again and again. We continually ignore or resist His prompting. I'm going to make a statement here. God spanks all of His kids. When He tells us to turn and tells us to turn and tells us to turn and we don't turn and we don't turn, we've gone from grieving to quenching the Holy Spirit of God. Now, what does that look like? There's nothing more frustrating than trying to live the Christian life in human strength. Look at this. I re- I, as I was studying about this, I, I read some things. If you go home and turn on, is there, is there, I don't even know, I'm sure there's cable, there's some kind of Christian programming on television. I don't know what to, but think about this. If they believe differently about the Holy Spirit than what we're teaching tonight, I want you to ask yourself, male or female, whoever's teaching, is the attention and the spotlight on that person or on Jesus Christ? Because every time the Holy Spirit is working, the spotlight is on Jesus Christ and not the person. I wrote these things down. The Holy Spirit glorifies Christ, and when the Holy Spirit works, works, You do not think about the Holy Spirit, but you think about the Lord Jesus Christ. I wrote this in my notes, something other. I said this, to be filled with with the Holy Spirit is to be filled with Christ. So go with me, and we don't have time to turn there. Ephesians 5 talks about the fruit of the Spirit. Give me one of the fruits of the Spirit. Peace, long-suffering, love, joy, gentleness. Goodness, meekness, faith, temperance. Now watch this. That's who Jesus was. He was full of joy, full of love, full of long-suffering, full of temperance. So when the Holy Spirit, when He takes over my life, He makes me like Jesus by bringing the attributes of Christ into my life and into my character. That's what Romans 12, 1 and 2 is. All right, look at this. The incredible blessing of the Holy Spirit Spirit-filled life is that as the Holy Spirit transforms your life from the inside out, it begins to show in some very specific ways uh, in your life. Now, look, we're going to go through there very quick. We don't have time to turn to these scriptures. Let me encourage you to do these throughout the week. 143, look at this. The Holy Spirit produces love. Some of you couples, if I could, and it's a hard book to find, I can get it for you, but... I read them. If there's a book on marriage, I read it. Goodness gracious, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, I don't know the last time we went to pastor school. One of my favorite authors and teachers is a man named Jim Benny. We could take a track in pastor school. We could go into leadership track or music track or children's ministry. And I, the first day, I took a track on on pastoral counseling. Brother Benny was teaching that class. I was so captivated by his teaching, I never went in another class all week. After the class, Jim Benny made a book available to us that was the crux of his teaching. And that book talks about a saved man and a saved woman can expect the blessings of God on their marriage. Now watch this. 
Fill in the blank. A rising tide does what? Lifts all boats. Did you say that, Brad? He gets a gold star. All right? A rising tide lifts all boats. Now watch this. Brother Benny in there said this. There are rocks in every marriage. Every marriage. There's rocks. Now watch this. He called it the scrape and thud philosophy. Here's what he said. Think of that water as the Holy Spirit in mama and daddy's life. As you're not filled with the Spirit and she's not filled with the Spirit, that water, now watch it, your boat starts to scrape the top of those rocks. Little things start coming up in your marriage. You think, where's this coming from? And then pretty soon, that water dipped and you're smashing those rocks. You know why? If mama and daddy are filled and led of the Spirit, a rising tide lifts all boats. Love can be in that marriage. Now look at this. The Holy Spirit produces joy. Do you think Christian people ought to have joy? Huh? I sometimes see Christian people. I told you before, this is a sweet lady. She went through a lot of hard times. And, and I was just a little bit more ornery then than I am now. But when I was first off in ministry, we went to a ministry, and I promise you, we were there five and a half years. There was a lady in that church. I never saw her smile one time. I would learn a good joke, and I'd go over to her, and I'd say, Miss Dumas, I want to tell you a joke. And, I'd sit, and she'd look there like that. I said, wasn't that great? <laughs> never saw her smile one time. Now, I'm not saying that a Christian that's filled with the Holy Spirit is always laughing and joking. There's going to be some serious. But I think about this. We have joy. And joy is the presence of the Lord that carries you through when times are even tough. Amen. Look at this. The Holy Spirit produces peace. Next blank. Next blank. The Holy Spirit produces long-suffering. What is long-suffering? The ability to suffer long with other people or situations. We think of it as patience or endurance. Then the Holy Spirit produces gentleness. Here, these are all blanks to fill in. The Holy Spirit produces goodness. <laughs> Do you, who, who, who's baseball people here? You're baseball people? You are? Andrew, you are? Oh, the best third baseman in baseball signed today. Oh, I was hoping we'd get Nolan Arenado back. I don't know anything about him, Brother Andrew. Maybe you do. Anybody here, when they interviewed him, signed a eight-year, $260 million contract? I think I'd be happy. I don't know anything about his walk with the Lord. Does he know the Lord? But he broke down. He could hardly talk. Here's the first thing he said. I want to thank God for being so good to me. Wow. That's awesome. God, and then he expounded, he said, God gave me the body that I have and the health that I have so I can play baseball. Whoa. Look at this. Goodness. Do you see out of that man? I don't know anything about him. He might go home and beat his wife up. I don't know, but he sure sounded good on the, on the television. Goodness. I think the Holy Spirit produces faith. All right? 
Two more, three more, four more blanks. We're going to get ready, okay? Watch this, page 144. The Holy Spirit produces meekness. Remember when we studied the Beatitude, we said this, meekness is not weakness. It's strength under control. It's yielding our way for God's glory. And lastly, on 144, the Holy Spirit produces temperance. Temperance is the opposite of excess. It is self-control. It's a disciplined life. Now, here's the application, page 145. Make a definite commitment to yield every part of your life to Him. It's how we yield to the Holy Spirit. Here's the next blank. Daily reaffirm your commitment to yield to Him. After we dismiss tonight, I've got a counseling session. I promise you this, if I can, and it's not a rush thing, but even if it's a rush thing, already I ask the Lord, please give me wisdom and discernment. Holy Spirit of God, lead my thoughts and my actions and my words. Is that a good thing to do? Amen. You yield yourself to the Holy Spirit of God. Reaffirm that every day. Lastly, specifically ask the Holy Spirit to develop the areas in your life that you are lacking. All right, here's our memory verse for next week. See, you should have gotten in on this week because next week it's harder. All right, Galatians 5, 22 and 23. That's the fruit of the Spirit we just talked about. All right, we'll just have, and just one. I have a card right here for next week already. I will leave it in the pulpit. All right? I want you to do that. And do you think, preacher, I, we're just doing this to be just kind of have fun with it. There's nothing like memorizing Scripture. It'll help you. All right? Very quickly before we close, is there any question on tonight's lesson you need clarity on? Anybody? Question very quick. Anybody? All right, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we love you. Thank you for your goodness to us. And Father, thank you that you have sent another comforter. How many times the Holy Spirit is comforted in a time of hardship and trial and death. And yet your comforter, the Holy Spirit, came and gave us the peace of God that passeth all understanding. I pray that you'd put in each and every one of us a hunger to be filled with your spirit and to be led by your spirit. As Brother Tom was mentioning before, that we might be an effective witness for you. God, I pray that if we have a responsibility in this ministry where we teach or preach or lead in any fashion, may we be filled to the spirit as we do and led by the spirit. Help this lesson that we learned tonight to be beneficial in our lives. For this, we'll thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.